uh, what I, I want to sh- uh, say with you this morning and, uh, and share with you this morning because I believe disciple makers and disciplers uh, must walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say we have the power. And so Romans chapter 8, if you turn over there, Romans 8, did I tell you to turn to Romans 8? Turn to Romans 8 and you're going to see what has been the keynote verse for this weekend, Vacation Bible School. Verse 11, it says this, but if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And how many of you know the spirit of God is the spirit of power? Everybody say we have the power. We have the power. And so that's what our young people have been focusing on. And that's where I want us to focus this morning, because as we've been talking about being disciples and disciple makers, uh, when you look at the life of Christ and the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the church, we realize that uh, we could not fulfill the great commission. And that's kind of another keynote verse of ours. The great commission is go into all the world and do what? Somebody say, make disciples. Not just attend church, don't, not just, uh, you know, uh, drill water wells. We do all those things, but to make disciples really genuine followers of Christ. We've been looking at our mission statement. Our mission statement shares that, uh, uh, we have a calling of God on our life. We're called to what? Gather together. We're called to grow. We're called to give and we're called to go. Those things all work together. Uh, to to help us fulfill the Great Commission. And we've been looking at, at our role and responsibility to make disciples and fulfill the Great Commission. We looked at uh, uh, really Matthew, the, the Sermon on the Mount, quite a bit. And we realized that if you're going to be a disciple, you have a responsibility to live a certain kind of lifestyle. Is that not correct? How many know if you're going to live and be a good parent, you have a responsibility to live the right kind of lifestyle. So it's not just what we say, but what we do. So that's really been the focus for the past number of weeks. As we've looked at Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we talked about the disciple maker's lifestyle is a lifestyle of influence. Everybody say, I'm salt and I am light. And then it's also, and there's many things there, but we looked at the lifestyle of giving. We are people who give. Jesus said to his disciples, when you give, when you sow seed, when you sacrifice and, and give to those in need. And we looked at that. And then we looked at the lifestyle of prayer. Jesus said, when you pray. Then we looked uh, uh, just last week at four things. The lifestyle of forgiveness. The lifestyle of fasting. Somebody say OMG. Yes, Jesus said, when you fast. And then the lifestyle of focusing and keeping our eyes clear and clean. And then we looked at the lifestyle of faith where we don't worry about these things of this life. Everybody say, don't worry about this life. And so that's where we've been. And there's a lot more we could say. And maybe next Sunday, we'll get back into the Sermon on the Mount a little bit this morning. But in in harmony with our VBS weekend, everybody say, we have the power. I want to talk to you a little bit about the disciple maker and the disciple and the disciple maker's lifestyle of living a power-packed life. Everybody say power packed. And that's what Romans 10, 11 is all about. It's living a life that is power packed. If that same spirit, if that same power, 
The power of the Spirit of God lives in us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. It'll also raise us up and we'll live a power-packed life. And I just want to ask you this morning if if that would be something, if someone looked at your life and you were able to say, what kind of life are you living? Would it be a power-packed life? Would it, would it be a life filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, flowing through your life? That's a good question all of us need to ask. With that in mind, I just want to give you some thoughts that I have thought about these last couple of days that will stir us and spark us possibly to to really let the river of God flow again in our life. You see, a disciple maker's power-packed life, it's a lifestyle that is filled with power to win the world. Everyone say power to win the world. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit is really all about. When you go to Acts chapter 1, did I tell you to go to Acts 1? If you didn't, go to Acts 1 real quick. Take a left if you're in Romans. Go back to Acts 1. You'll see what Jesus is preparing his disciples for, and that is this, to make a big difference in the world. And he told them in verse 4, it says, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Somebody say the promise of the Father. He said, he, and he said, for which he said, you have heard from me for John truly baptized with water, but you, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now, look down in verse eight, but when you receive, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my what? witnesses to uh, to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the age. You realize that the power of the Holy Spirit is to win people, to be influential in the world. And we see that the that's why Jesus told the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem till you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because your responsibility is to make disciples. Your responsibility is to make a difference in the world. Your responsibility is to be full of the Holy Spirit of God and make an impact in the world around you. Somebody say amen. And that's what we see with a first century church. And as soon as they filled, were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and 3, what do we see them doing? We see the church beginning to win the world around them for the cause of Christ. Thousands of people influenced. I want to tell you something. There's something powerful about the power of the Holy Spirit. And even in the face of adversity, the power of the Holy Spirit will make a big difference in our life. And you know the first century church very quickly... When you read Acts, you'll discover that very quickly the persecution began to come. The religious pressure began to come upon them. And they, in fact, told them, you can speak no more in this name. You can speak no more in the name of Jesus. They threatened them. They said in verse 17 of chapter 4, so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. Well, this first century church didn't listen to that and they went to prayer and they began to pray in Acts chapter four. They said, Lord, you just keep doing what you're doing and we'll keep doing what we're doing. We'll work together. And they began to pray and it says, when they had prayed, look in verse 31, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. I'm telling you, the power of the Holy Spirit 
Spirit is not just to get the monkey off our back. It's to empower us to win our world to Jesus Christ. What would what what difference would it make if each of us this morning and this next week and every day we get up and we get full of the Holy Spirit. We just get the river beginning to flow in our hearts and life. And we walk out into a world that is that desperately needs Christ. And we share under the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit, the love of Christ and the Word of God. What will happen? People's lives will be changed. So we have the power and we need to let the power to win the world begin to move through us. Number two, a disciple and a disciple maker, when they live this power-packed life, they not only have power to win the world, but they have power. You and I have power to walk the walk. You see, some people can talk the talk, but they can't walk the walk. The Holy Spirit has come to help us have the power to walk the walk and walk like Jesus and talk like Jesus. In fact, if you're in Acts, just go to Acts 9, verse 31. I love this one. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. It says, Then the churches throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. I love that. There's a whole lot there. The church was walking in the fear of God and in the comfort and under the influence of the Holy Spirit. They were walking in the Spirit and they had the peace of God in their heart. And what happened to the church when the church was there again? They're making a difference in the world by walking the walk, walking in the fear of God, walking in the comfort and the influence of the Holy Spirit, the churches were multiplied because people were walking the walk. How many of you know we got to walk the walk? And if you look in Acts chapter 8, pardon me, Romans chapter 8, you'll see this same thing. Paul's telling the church in Rome, he's talking about the power and the influence of the Spirit of God in their life. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to and in harmony with the spirit. You see, uh, some people say, how do you walk in the spirit? I've said this for years. Well, you get in the spirit and then what do you do? You began to walk. You get full of the Spirit and you began to live life and you began to walk the walk. You walk in the Spirit and and he goes on to say, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the laws of sin and death. He talks about walking under the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5 again, he's talking about walking in the flesh and walking in the Spirit. He says, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. You get in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the power to walk the walk that Jesus has for us. And if you're not walking the walk, let me just suggest to you, you're not walking under the power, the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit gives us power. It's a power-packed lifestyle, a power to win the world and a power to walk the walk. And number three, a power to work the works. You see, there's a work for us to do. We have a responsibility as disciples to do the work that he has for us. And how many of you know the, the, really the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry? You remember, uh, let, let's, let's go back to the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. Can you remember what happened that, that was really the significant thing that began the, the earthly ministry of Jesus? John chapter one, I believe. What's happening? John the Baptist is preaching and here comes somebody say Jesus. Here comes Jesus, and what does John do? Jesus directs him to baptize him. 
And John didn't want to. He did, he felt like it wasn't his place, but but uh, he obeyed the Lord. And he Jesus was baptized there in the River Jordan. And when he came up, what happened? The Holy Spirit came upon him and set upon him like a dove. And and you say, well, Jesus already had the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, that was a picture for us that, hey, if we're going to work the works that Jesus has, that God has for us, uh, we've got to have the same spirit like Romans 8 says. We've got to have that same Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus to come upon us. Are you with me? Say amen. So we can work the works. John chapter nine, Jesus said this. He said, I've came, I've come to work the work that he has for me. John chapter nine, verse four, he says this. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. And then in John 14, he says this in verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And even greater works than these will he do because I go to the father. Now, if we read on and we spend a little time there, we just find in just a couple of verses, he said, they didn't want him to leave. And he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And through the power of the Holy Spirit and the influence of the helper, you can do these works that I've called you to do. And even greater works than these shall you do. Somebody give me a little handshake. Go, hallelujah. Come on, help me. Say, hallelujah. And we can work the works. The power of the Holy Spirit has come upon us or should come upon us, or he desires it to come upon us for us to win the world and to walk the walk and work the works that he has for us to work. Somebody look at somebody else say, we still have a big job to do. Tell somebody we have a big job to do. There's work that has to be done. In fact, we look at the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, and we look at them, and, and, and what's interesting to me, the church, all, we spend all our time kind of arguing about them, trying to figure out, you know, if we should or shouldn't, or if we can or can't, if it's over or not over. And really, the gifts of the Spirit, their primary responsibility uh, is to empower us and equip us to work the work. You can read them later, but listen, the gifts of the Spirit are just tools and, and things that God has given us to help us be able to fulfill the purpose of God in the earth to win our world to Jesus Christ. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit gives us power to work the works. Go back to Acts. I want to show you this. Uh, hey, let's look at our Bible for a minute. Acts chapter 9, uh, verse 32. I love this uh, little illustration, this little story. It's only uh Gosh, three verses long. It says this, Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Now here's some work. This is the work of God. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. And then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Man, that's work in the work. 
He didn't, you know, know, one thing I love about Peter, he was so confident in God. He didn't say, let me pray for you. Let's trust God together. He began to declare it. He said, Jesus, the Christ heals you. He didn't say Jesus, the Christ wants to heal you. He just said, Jesus, the Christ heals you. I love that. And he said, arise and make your bed. And he arose immediately. And what was the benefit of working the works? All of Lydda saw it and share and those people in those communities they heard and saw and they turned to the lord you see god has a great work for us to do it's a supernatural work it's not just the work of putting on vbs how many of you appreciate all the hard work everybody's done for vbs that's a lot of hard work in fact michael i i i, I thought this he's been working on iron man suits since october or something i'm telling you he's been excited all those details all that work that's that's not really the work i'm talking about there's that kind of work but i'm talking about the work of the spirit through your life the ministry of the Holy Spirit flowing through you with power and authority, the supernatural ministry of God in your life. That's what God wants to do in all of our lives. It's the power to win the world. It's a power, the power to walk the walk. It's the power to work the works that He has for us. And number four, it's the power to win the war. We talked about this a few Wednesday nights ago. That, that we've got to be weaponized in this, in this world that we live in. There's a battle. There's a spiritual battle going on. How many of you know there's a spiritual war going on in the heavenlies? And the Holy Spirit will empower us. Listen carefully to me. To be victorious in every area of our life, not just on a personal level, but power, uh, victorious over the powers of darkness. We've looked at this many times, but I just want to reaffirm to you. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse three through five. Paul said this, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Somebody say mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. We sang that. The kids sang that just a few moments ago. There's strongholds in this world we live in. There's demonic strongholds in the world around us. And the power of the Holy Spirit that will, that, that we can allow to flow through us can bring great victory, not only in our lives, but in the community we live in, in the families that we serve in, in the business place that we, that we work in. The power of the Holy Spirit will help us be victorious over the powers of darkness. Are you with me? Say amen. In fact, this week or this weekend, as we heard a few moments ago, Michael's been upstairs with the kids, teaching them about the armor of God, teaching them that they need to put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit the helmet of salvation and all those things equip us to be victorious over the powers of darkness. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 6, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God. For we wrestle not against principalities, uh, uh, against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. The Holy Spirit gives us power to win the world, power to walk the walk and power to work the works and power to win the war. 
And there is a war going on. And oh, by the way, and I shared this a couple of Wednesday nights ago, Revelations 12, 11, when you fast forward to the end, you'll see that the church, it says of them that they overcame him, that is the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. Everybody say we win. How do we win? Through the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life being victorious over the powers of darkness. And this morning, not only for the sake of the future, but the sake for the sake of our children today, for the sake of where we are right now, we here in this room need to begin to release the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives in greater measure than ever before. You see, the first century church needed the power of the Holy Spirit. What makes us think that we don't now need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life? I just recently had a little mini experience with a church that uh, whose pastor had a different philosophy of ministry than the history of the church. He didn't want people to lift their hands. He didn't want people to, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, praise the Lord out loud. He was, he was very conservative, didn't want any expressions of the Holy Spirit. He was squelching and even quenching the Spirit in the services, and the people were frustrated. And finally, uh, for the sake of the future of the church, the pastor resigned and left. Uh, and it was just a sad thing because this pastor hadn't, didn't have the understanding that we need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives and in the church. Amen. We need his power and we need to release his power in our lives. I just want to give you some, maybe you might call them preaching points. I call them power points to help us release the power. Let me just give them to you this morning. Number one, prepare yourself. How many of you know the first century church had to prepare themselves to receive the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life? You read Acts chapter 1, you'll find that for 40 days, the resurrected Christ was pouring into their lives and preparing them for their future. They were hungry for the things of God. They were sacrificial of their own purposes and plans. They laid down their plans and their purpose, and they began to prepare their hearts. In fact, if you read Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, it says they were all with one accord. Somebody say one accord. Now, we're not talking about a... Honda, they were not all in one accord. Some of you didn't catch that. I don't think they could all get into one accord. But they were all in one accord in their heart. You know what that says about these people? They were right with God and right with one another. They were in harmony together and they had prepared themselves and they were ready. And it says that they were praying. If you go back to Acts chapter one, you'll see this in verse 14. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. They were praying and preparing their hearts and their lives for this promise of the father that was going to come upon them. Listen, I want to tell you something. We need to spend some time in the presence of God getting right with God and getting right with one another and cleaning up and getting prepared for a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit's not going to come upon us till we get our hearts right with God and our hearts right with one another. He's not going to give that which is holy to that which is not holy. So it's time to clean up a little bit and just get in his presence and let the power of the Holy Spirit come upon us. I done gone to preaching. I don't know what, what got on me here, 
but we've got to prepare ourselves. Number two, another good point is position ourselves rightly in a place where God, hey, just get in the right position. I just, I'm just, I don't know what that means to you, but, uh, some people are just out of position. They're, they're off doing this and doing that. Where's Johnny? Where's, where's Sister Sue? Where, what are they up to? Where are they going? What do they got doing? What's happening in their world? Well, you know, it's a busy world we live in and, oh man, kids and school and, and, and business and money and problems and bills and family. This gets us all stirred up and conflicted and, and, and out of sorts and, uh, uh, and, and certainly not prepared and out of position where God is looking for us to be, where he wants us to be so he can give us what he wants to give us and we don't show up and we expect him to chase us down and give us give it to us anyway. I, I, I've got a feeling, I don't know what it means to you, that there's a place where we need to be in life where God can show up in our midst and begin to do things in our life that he would have never done had we not been in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing, fulfilling his kingdom purpose in the earth. Even the, some early followers told Jesus, he said, they said, well, first let us go take care of this and take care of that and do this and do that. And then we'll come follow you. He said, no, no, no. If you do that, you're going to be out of place and out of position for me to be able to use you and to touch you. Everyone say, prepare yourself. Everyone say, position yourself. Number three, here's a good one. Oh, let me just say about position. I, I, I thought about him and I wrote, wrote it down. I love John the Revelator. He got thrown in prison and in exile because of his witness for Christ. And you would think, you know, most of us in our charismatic mindset, man, this ain't, I rebuke you devil. I'm not supposed to be in prison. You know what? He was in the right place. And really, you say, well, um, what? Yeah, well here's how he got really in the right place. There he was on the Isle called Patmos, banished there for the cause of Christ. And the Bible says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. You see, he had church all by himself. Everybody say in the spirit on the Lord's day. And what happened when he was in the spirit on the Lord's day? He was in the right place. He was in the right position with God. And the Bible says uh, the, the angel of the Lord came. Jesus came. I'm telling you, he had a revelation of Jesus. Because he was in right place at the right time doing the right thing. Whew. You see, most of us in our life, we're in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. And we want Jesus to somehow come and do the right thing when we're off busy doing the wrong thing. How, how many of you know there, there's some things that are wrong that are not unholy or unhealthy necessarily? I've got a friend right now who's a pastor of a church. You know what he, where he is right now? He, he, he is with his grandson, his 16 year old grandson. He made a commitment that, uh, you know what? Well, my, each of my grandchildren's 16th birthday, I'm going to take them and do whatever they want to do. And, and, uh, this is so counter, uh, to, to this man's demeanor, but his grandson said, I want to go to Las Vegas and go to the gamers convention, the video game convention and contest. And I could just, though I wasn't there, I could just see my pastor friend going, okay. And so this weekend, you know where he's at? He's in the right place doing the right thing with his grandson. 
loving on his grandson, blessing his grandson, and trying to enjoy the gamer culture. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying, you know, some of them think, well, that's a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But sometimes we get off doing our thing, and it looks good to us, but it's not God. And so we got to position ourselves. Prepare yourself, position yourself. And, and hey, come on, this is simple. Pray and ask God to empower you and release the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. What were the first century church doing there in Acts 1 and 2? They were preparing themselves, sure, but they were praying. And they didn't even know what they were asking for. The Holy Spirit had never been poured out upon them. He just said, when I leave, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's going to come upon you and you're going to get power. And and it's, and I promise you that. It's a promise. I promise you the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they're preparing their hearts and they're, they're positioning themselves right and they're praying. In fact, Jesus said this in, uh, uh, concerning in Luke chapter 11. He said, we being evil know how to give good things to our children. How much more? Somebody say, how much more? Look at your neighbor and say, how much more? How much more will our heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And James said it this way, you have not because you ask not. And so we start preparing our hearts and we prepare our lives and we get ourselves in the right... (coughs) Pardon me, the right place. And we start praying. Just like they did in Acts 2, Acts 1, Acts 2, and then Acts 4. Lord, behold their threats. And grant that thy bondservants with all boldness may speak your word. They were praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them and empower them afresh and anew. So we got to pray and ask. And then let me just throw this one out because I want to tell you, God's not stingy. Everybody say, God's not stingy. He's not looking down and like the carrot with the tortoise or whatever, the hare or whatever it is, you know, just teasing us, uh, trying to make us jump through every hoop and then go, oh, almost. Uh, what's that commercial? Is it about the insurance or something? The guy with the fishing, oh, you got a dollar, you know, that God's stingy and he's trying to keep us away from uh, uh, all the good and keep us at a place where we're just begging and hoping. And uh, that's really not God. Because if we start preparing ourselves and positioning ourselves and praying and asking God, let me tell you something, he's ready to pour the the power of the Holy Spirit on our lives in greater measure than ever before. And so the last thought that I want to share with you today is this, we've got to possess the promise. We've got to take possession of the promises of God. See, God gives a promise. In fact, I think it's 1 Corinthians basically says this. I'm shooting from the hip. Uh, God gives the promise. Jesus said yes, and we say amen. That's kind of the three threefold cord of obtaining the promises of God. God gives the promise. Everyone say, God gives the promise. Jesus came along, lived, and died, and he said yes. And uh, what we say is amen. God gives the promise. Jesus says yes. And we say, so be it in my life. Somebody say, so be it. You see that, hey, we, we, you don't have to beg God. You, I say it. You don't have to beg God. 
Oh, God, I need your power. And he's dangling over. Oh, no, maybe not. Maybe so. Maybe not. No, you know, the, 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 the reality is Jesus promised us the power. Read Acts 1. He said, you stay in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's a promise. Jesus, God's gave the promise. Jesus says yes. And we say, so be it in my life. That means I'm going to possess this thing. I'm going to take a hold of this thing. In fact, when you read Acts 2, they said yes and amen. It says the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began to cooperate. And they opened their mouths and began to pray in the Spirit. They opened their mouths and began to preach the Word of God. They began to obtain, if you will, and possess the promise of God in their life. And receive what he had promised them. You see, there's conditions to every promise. And I've just given you a few. And if we begin to line up with the conditions, we can begin to receive the provision and possess the promise of God in our life. I've been thinking about a verse as I close. It's in John chapter 7 in the 30s. I think it's 35 or 37. It says this about Jesus. The feasting had come to an end. They'd had a whole week of feasting and celebrating. And it says at the end of the feast, Jesus stood up and said, if anybody is still thirsty, if there's something in your life that still has gone unsatisfied after all this fellowship and all this feasting and all this fun, if anyone's still thirsty, Let him come unto me and drink. For out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. I have a feeling that in many of our lives, the river has been stifled to a trickle. And things have come and stopped up the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to unclog, if you will. If you remember in the Old Testament, uh, I'm, I'm shooting from the hip again, but the wells had been dug, but the enemies came. I think the Philistines came and filled in the wells and they had to redig the water wells. That's a picture of our spiritual life many times. The flow of God and the living water is stifled by the things of this world. We need to let God have his way and begin to release the power of the Holy Spirit in our life again. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. We're going to pray together. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to have his way in our hearts and lives. We have the power. We just need to appropriate it and begin to allow the Holy Spirit, who's as gentle as a dove, to come and descend upon us and fill us afresh so we can have power to win the world, power to walk the walk, power to work the works, and power to win the war. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, as we sang this morning, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We just invite you into our lives We ask you to come upon us afresh and anew.
Fill us afresh with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Would you just ask God those kind of things? Holy Spirit, have your way. Yes. Holy Spirit, come upon us this morning, Lord. Fill us afresh with the power of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord. Well, let's lift up our voices and just invite the presence of the Lord. He inhabits the praises of His people. We love you this morning, Lord Jesus. We bless your holy name. We give you glory, Lord God. Holy Spirit, have your way in Holy Spirit, have your way. We love you, Jesus. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come upon us. Fresh and anew. Fresh and anew. Create within us a clean heart, O oh God. Renew us steadfast in a right spirit within us. We yield ourselves to the conviction and the cleansing of God. We thank you, Lord, for the fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let the river flow in us. Let's just begin to say that to God. Lord, let the river flow in us. Let your river of living water begin to flow through us, God. Not just to us, but through us, Lord. To a world that needs you. To a world that is lost and without Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, before we leave this place, if you're here today, you've never given your life to Christ, you've never really officially said yes to the Lord, I want to pray with you this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'll pray for you. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Sam, I just don't know for sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. But I'm going to ask you to pray with me and pray for me. If that's you, lift your hand wherever you are. Anyone here this morning? If you're here today and you say, Pastor, there's some things in my life and the river of, of, of living water has been stifled. It's, it's gone from a flowing river to a, a, just a trickling or just a small little bit of, and it seems like I'm stifled in my life. If that's you right where you are, lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you that the, that the dam, if you will, would begin to be uncorked. I see those hands that the Holy Spirit would begin to break loose in your life. I see that. Somebody else, just lift your hands. Say, that's me. Lord, right now, I want everybody now to lift your hands up to God. And let's pray for these, for an outpouring and a break, a breakthrough. Uh, he's the God of the breakthrough right now. And I declare over those who lifted their hands just a few
few moments ago. Lord Jesus, that today would be a day of breakthrough. Holy Spirit, have your way in their life. We yield our lives to you. I want everyone to just begin to thank God for a breakthrough right now. Speak it out loud. Lord, thank you for a breakthrough. Lord, as Peter prayed over that one who had been lame and paralyzed and said, the Lord heals you. I just declare over those who lifted their hand this morning that the Holy Spirit is breaking through in your life right now and the deliverance of God and the breakthrough of God is being made manifest in your hearts and lives in the name of Jesus. Jesus, I pray, I declare it now in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. And let's give the God of breakthrough some praise this morning. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Woo! Thank you, Jesus.